Hey, this is Adrian Hernandez, and welcome to the NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. We're here to give you some extra time with our speaker and ask some of the tough and interesting questions you want to hear most. If you haven't already, we hope you'll watch the full Grand Rounds webinar recording to learn more. All of our Grand Rounds content can be found at rethinkingclinicaltrials.org. Thanks for joining. Hi there, this is Adrian Hernandez with the NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds. And we are here today with Paul Harris, uh, who did a recent Grand Rounds and will be reflecting on playing with fire, innovative use cases for the new REDCap EHR integration module. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Adrian. I've been looking forward to it. So, Paul, um, you've been at this for a while uh, in terms of trying to um, solve the problems of research and uh, electronic health data. Uh, tell us a little more about, you know, what's the real problem that you, you're aiming to solve here? Yeah, so, so with our current work, and we've, we've been at this for a couple of years with, with this current body of work, we're, we're trying to solve a problem that, that really researchers started articulating to me back in 2004. When, uh, when we were first starting to think about uh, a platform, electronic data capture platform called REDCap that, that we created. Uh, and, and that problem was, you know, it's great that, that you know, you're solving the, the EDC problem. And, and, you know, our philosophy there was, you know, make it, make it easy, give, give, give research teams an easy way to do the right thing when, when planning and, and conducting studies with respect to, to, to data, uh, data, data uh, management. But, but, you know, one of the earliest questions in, in the conversations with the research teams were, were, you know, this would be great if we could figure out a way to get data directly from the electronic health record into the electronic data uh, capture system. That, that's a hard problem. Uh, you know, it, it, it was hard in 2004, and, and it's hard today. But, uh, but with some of the newer, newer advances in, uh, uh, I, I would say, the, the new the new world of, you know, vendor, vendors uh, operating and, and working, uh, you know, the EHR space uh, solidifying, I, I should say, with, with at least a couple of vendors here in the, uh, in the U.S. And, and also the, um, the, the proliferation of, of interest and activity around a, a new standard called HL7 FHIR. Uh, we, we've got some opportunities now that uh, that you know we're 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 not even dreamable back in 2004. So so our current body of work over the last couple of years has really been trying to to, to leverage uh, the the fire uh, ecosystem and and the vendor push uh, to get fire into their uh, systems and, and to consume that information, making it easier for research teams to. To, to capture and manage data that, that have an origination source of the electronic health record. That's uh, terrific. Uh, so it um, seems like data is being generated every day by um, every patient, every clinician in the EHR, and, and you're aiming to harness that to actually enable uh, easier uh, research. Uh, I understand you know, from your grand rounds that um, you know, some of this has been uh, orchestrated through the uh, REDCap consortium and and REDCap. Can you describe a little bit about um, what that is and you know, examples uh, from that success? Sure. So, um, you know, REDCap started back in 2004, re really to uh, fulfill the needs here at Vanderbilt to, to give research teams uh, a, a disease-neutral platform for, for 
planning, collecting, and managing research data. And, and 2004 was sort of a seminal, uh, well, 2004 was really an important date in, in informatics because it's when we started needing to deal with HIPAA uh, security rules. You know, we, we'd all been working in HIPAA privacy for some time, but, but getting to uh, compliance with HIPAA security rules and really just doing the right thing in terms of protecting uh, data, putting controls around data sets and so forth, you know, who, who's doing what, when with the data. That was something that we needed to do anyway, but it was a big problem back in 2004, uh, or at least it was here at Vanderbilt. Uh, we, we, we solved the problem using a platform called REDCap, and, and again, as I mentioned before, the, uh, you know, the, the premise there is get, give researchers an easy way to do the right thing, uh, let them continue to, to think about their science, whether that science is autism or, or Parkinson's or, or you know, even zebrafish, uh, give them an easy way to sort of create uh, and, and manage their own data ecosystem, uh, and, and in the meantime, uh, you know, make make it make it all HIPAA compliant, et cetera. That that was that was really the genesis of REDCap. Uh, about a year year later, we started hearing from other institutions that they were having the same issues. We came up with a a sharing model where we we would give the software and support away at no cost uh, to academics, nonprofit, and government organizations, uh, but. There was always this expectation that that those uh, you know partnering institutions would would give something back. Uh, in the early early days, it was it was uh, you know a little little more rigor around the uh, programming and getting other folks helping with some of the development. Uh, over time, uh, we we realized that you know from a project management standpoint, we couldn't we couldn't really scale that. But but I would say that there's still this this huge sense of volunteerism and community within the REDCap consortium itself. We're up to about 3,700 uh, partner institutions in about 131 countries, and, and at least um, uh, I think as of around August, we we logged our millionth uh, user uh, of, of of the REDCap system across that consortium. The, the reason that's really, really great uh, is, again, going back to that central problem that, that we're solving now with, with EHR, uh, you know, EHR uh, connectivity and researchers asking for that. What we found in the REDCap uh, consortium is that, you know, if you, if you develop a good product, you, you, you make it easy for teams to, to go off and invent with that product, they'll tell you how to... How, 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 how to evolve that product. And again, that's a big part of, of what REDCap is, the culture and how we've evolved it over time. And, and again, going back to that central problem that we're discussing today, uh, we started hearing the, the need for EHR connectivity back in 2004. And, and that chorus of voices asking for it has just gotten louder and louder over time with, with the consortium and, and, and all of the different groups working in that space. That's terrific and impressive uh, uh, progress. Um, you, you touched on this a little bit, uh, but I wonder if you could uh, dive a little deeper on uh, EHR and uh, EDC interoperability. Um, you know, right now, we, it seems like we have this parallel universe where uh, uh, research uh, teams are entering data in an electronic data capture, literally in a screen um, uh, next to um, a screen uh, for the electronic health record. Um, and so it's the, right now the so-called human interoperability. Are, are you envisioning where uh, the EHR tr um, data transitions uh, with high quality 
uh, to an EDC system easily? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're trying to do. And, and you know, that we've we've all heard or, or even seen, or some some of us have participated in that that dual screen. Let let me go to the EHR uh, screens. Let me let me do chart reviews and try to pick off. Uh, you know, what, whatever the, the data element that you're trying to adjudicate into the case report forms. Uh, sounds easy, you know, when, when, you're, when you're just talking about it, but, but it's, it's uh, very inefficient. It's, it's prone to errors. Uh, and, and, you know, there's the timeliness of, get, of, of data uh, get, getting from the source system into the, into the research system. So, so that that uh, problem is exactly what we're trying to solve, and and we do envision, and, and we're starting to see, you know, really good results of uh, of, of uh, basically a priori mapping uh, of data fields between uh, REDCap and and the electronic health record, and again, we've uh, we've built this this technology based on Fire, and so it works in Epic. Uh, we, we're having, uh, and, and we have. Quite a number of folks that in the, in the Epic ecosystem that are, that are moving towards migration, we built it on Fire, and so it's actually kind of working in the, in the Cerner space as well. We're we're a little little, little uh, less mature in in adoption in the Cerner space, but 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 it's moving, and again, that's only because we we built it on the Fire standards. But but to go back to your central question, Adrian, yeah yeah, uh, the I mean the the. There's a, there's a reason why it took a long time to get here. It, it's hard to sort of think about, uh, you know, that, that mapping uh, and, and, you know, so, sort of things that the researchers don't necessarily know or need to know about, you know, sort of way down deep, you know, how is a data element represented in the EHR system and how do I map that to, uh, you know, the EDC system? You've got things like, um, you know, well, really, what I want from the case re- into the case report form is I want the the highest uh, value within uh, 20 minutes of, of some event that uh, that that is known in the research system, or, or or some or the lowest over a 24-hour period. So it's 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 sometimes quite difficult to go in and do those chart reviews and and you know click the necessary screens to 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 go and even get the answer that that you want to flow into the into the EDC system but but the way we've built it out we've uh we we've created a, a process so that the researchers can self map uh data fields from the EHR to uh REDCap uh, and we've built this uh, this this basically a data extraction engine that either real time or overnight, if you've got data uh, da- data that are dropping into the EHR system, you know from labs, et cetera, uh, I- either of those can trigger um, you know a, f- a harvesting, if if you will, into the EDC system, and, and then we've even built uh, adjudication methods so that you know we'll we'll go ahead and present all of those. Uh, you know, whatever whatever that lab measure is that you want to find the highest within a 24-hour period of, of an intervention, it'll bring those to you and suggest that this is what we're finding is the highest and allow people to, the coordinators, to just adjudicate that data and push it directly into uh, into the EDC system. I, I don't have exact uh, uh, numbers here. So some of the some of the col- some of our colleagues at Duke have actually done some some nice time and motion uh, studies around. Uh, time saving and accuracy of, of direct uh, e-sourcing, 
uh, I've, I've got some more uh, anecdotal evidence here at Vanderbilt where, you know, people that have kind of moved into this space and started to use this technology that they're, they're, they're telling us pretty loudly about the time savings uh, and, 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 you know, even the accuracy for going directly, uh, directly with these approaches of data transfer rather than the old method of, uh, of dual screen uh, human interoperability as, as, you, uh, as you termed it. Great. Uh, so uh, it sounds like uh, kind of the next um, really um, huge advance is uh, taking advantage of a fire. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, unknowns there, um, uh, perhaps, but can you explain uh, what fire is and um, what it's going to help us do? Sure. So um, you know, HL fire is is a standard that is uh, uh, that the HL seven. Uh, uh, group overseas. It is a, um, it, ba- basically there is a, uh, as I see it, you know, there's sort of two two ways to think about FHIRE. Uh, it's sort of a lightweight standard for representing uh, data uh, in, in different domains. The FHIRE group call the, these resources, but these domains or resources would be um, uh, things like patient uh, th- things that, uh, that that need to be known uh, in the clinical systems and, and uh, by extension into in, in the, in the uh, research space uh, around uh, a patient. You know, you know, you think about patient. Well, you probably need a name, need a date of birth, the demographic type information. Those sorts of things have been standardized, and, and they are represented uh, in a standardized way within this fire uh, fire standard. Uh, other things might be medications or procedures or observations, and, and, and the list goes on. So, so one part of FHIR uh, is you know, just, just that, what, what, what are the elements of data that need to be transferred? And, and then there's also a, a, a piece of, of, of the FHIR standard that, that deals with, well, how, how do we actually make the transfer of that information? So here we go into uh, RESTful web, web services and, and coming up uh, and leveraging a common way for, for systems to, to express uh, and transfer those, those data elements around the different resources or domains. FHIRE is not a perfect standard. It is, it is a really good standard. Uh, and, and one of the really nice things about FHIRE is it is evolving and, and it has the support of um, the, uh, the, the vendors and if you're if you're dealing with any kind of system to system exchange, trying to figure out how to do that in a standardized way, it, it is the trick. And I think it's the trick to getting the vendors uh, interested in in building more uh, of of those uh, interoper- interoperability type type things. Is not having to build 15 different versions, but only build one version. So so it's really exciting because the vendors are jumping behind it. Uh, the National uh, Institutes of Health are really, uh, you know, they're, they're really grasping and they've actually led uh, some of the efforts to, uh, to, to promote fire and, and, they're, and they're very much pivoting now, I think, in, in the direction of uh, now that, uh, that fire is becoming a reality, it, it, is, it has maturity, the vendors are starting to adopt it and use it. How are we going to change the landscape of research? Uh, and, that, and that, I think, is really, really a very exciting uh, space. And, and, and it's why we're able to sort of get into this innovation that we're talking about today. Well, th- this is uh, great. Uh, so um, 
it's pretty amazing what has happened um, uh, just over uh, the last 10 years and then even more so over the last uh, couple of years. So I uh, really look forward to uh, seeing these um, efforts uh, widely in practice uh, for research. So, Paul, uh, thanks for uh, spending time with us on uh, the NIH Collaboratory uh, podcast. It uh, was a terrific discussion. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. We really appreciate all your work. And, uh, and thanks for listening uh, to this uh, podcast. Uh, please join us for our next podcast as we continue to highlight fascinating and uh, informative changes in the research world that hopefully everyone can use. Thanks for joining today's NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. Let us know what you think by rating this interview on our website. And we hope to see you again on our next Grand Rounds, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.